Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. You are now tuned in to the PA Power Podcast, College Edition, featuring Mason Beckman and Tristan Warner. PA Power Wrestling. PA Power Wrestling. Pennsylvania is wrestling. Welcome in, wrestling fans. You are now dialed into the PA Power College Podcast. And as Jason Bryant of the Matt Talk Podcast Network said, I'm Tristan Warner, joined as always by my main man, Mason Beckman, a.k.a. Beck Diggity Mason this is episode 28 of the PA Power College podcast. We are now in the season, in the postseason, and in the month of March. Sorry, that was a mouthful. Yeah, man, it's exciting. This is this is the time of the season, right? It's what we've all been waiting for, and I'm just excited that it's here. The saying that we always had in the Lehigh program was that our eyes were on March. All year round, no matter what training phase, no matter what we were doing, everything was geared towards March. So... Here it is, you know, eyes are up, March is here. So I'm excited, man. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Yeah, it's like we've talked about time and time again on our podcast. Uh, really, the the th- the couple words that say it all are three days in March. That really is what summarizes a whole wrestling career. It's different than other sports where, you know, I guess your legacy is kind of defined. In other sports, your legacy can kind of be defined by a more comprehensive look of your whole season or your whole career but in wrestling I mean it's like everyone has a clean slate once you get to the NCAA tournament it's those three days in March really those two days to get on the podium so you know who shows up at the tournament that's who's decided that they're they will forever be remembered as an All-American right you know so case in point on both sides of that on one end of the spectrum you have Jay Jaggers who people remember as one of the all-time greats at Ohio State he won two national titles you know it was awesome right but what people don't know about Jay Jaggers is, and now I've never fact-checked the statistic, but it's not super in-depth, but just from what I've seen, it holds true. Two tournament Jack, victories. Tw- yep, only won two tournaments, and they were the national tournament. So you have Jaggers on one end, who's remembered the way that he is, right? On the other end of that spectrum, take somebody like, oh, I don't know say Nick Marable, who was good, who was very good, you know, was a couple-time All-American, but was a guy that every year would have a super high seed, a super high expectations, and never quite at the tournament wrestled to those. Yeah, the first person that jumped in my mind, even though he still had a stellar career, third, 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 second, I believe, Sam Hazewinkle from Oklahoma, 25-pounder. Um, yes, that's like a I very said, good example. Like I said, he had an amazing career, not knocking it in any way, but just a guy that you thought would have, you know, won a national title multiple times, or at least was a top seed, or was a guy that was favorited to win the weight, and just always seemed to. I mean, it wasn't even really a knock at his wrestling. Really, just somebody came out of nowhere. Paul Donahoe being the number one example I can think of in my mind in an overtime takedown when he had lost to him several times that year. But um, yeah, there's a guy who went three, 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 two. But, you know, had beaten pretty much most of those guys, I think, that ended up beating him at the NCAA tournament previously. So, yeah, there's an example of that. Or even if you take another step down, if you look at a kid like Anthony Zanetta had an awesome career, was in the round of 12 twice, I believe. And 
could very easily have been a two-time All-American and how he's remembered vastly changes. You know what I mean? So That's right. You get on that so, podium, you're forever cemented as an All-American, but if you don't, you kind of just slip into the, the realm of you were a decent wrestler, but you don't really have a that signature stat to put next to your name. Right. So it's exciting that, that we're at that time again and you get to see guys chase dreams. Um, but before we really get into things, there is one sidebar I want to go on because this bugs me and I just want to put this out there. The way the postseason works. So this weekend is the junior high state tournament for PJWs. Next weekend is PIAAs, then NCAAs, right? The week after the NCAA tournament is youth states. That That is the most illogical thing. Maybe not the most illogical thing, but that is – that's just downright dumb. It should go – every weekend should move up an age group. So if we're doing this the way in my head this should work, youth states should have been last weekend, then junior high, then high school, then – NCAAs. Why would you not end folk style season, or at least the the folk style postseason, with the mecca of folk style wrestling? And by doing this, you force families and you force kids. So, I, like, I never got to go to NCAAs until I competed there as a true freshman, because we always had areas or PJWs that weekend. Or in high school, I think it was usually areas, because in high school, I was an Area 6 kid, and Area 6 always did a thing that if you were an Area 6 alum or whatever, and you meddled at high school states, they would bring you back and you'd get recognized before the finals. So all four years in high school, I, I had to come back and do that. So I never got to do NCAAs, and it was all because areas and PJWs were those weekends. It's just – it's stupid. Why do we make the youth wrestling season longer than the college one? And to anybody that says, oh, youth kids don't have to start till this date or whatever, we we all know that youth kids start practicing in October, November. So, like, please don't try to kid me with that. I coach at that level. I know when programs start. It's Let's just be realistic. So I just think it's idiotic that we have – the youth youth states as the last event and that we make young kids wrestle longer because they burn out yeah i will say at least uh you know me and you we talked about this had kind of the opposite experience me and my brother tc we never ever competed in pjw's never even attempted it because we always did go to ncaa's as kids just to go watch so i mean i don't think i was good enough as a kid to even qualify anyway TC definitely was. I mean, he would often beat kids that were PJW placers and champs, but neither one of us ever even attempted to do the thing because, like you said, the the state championship was always on the same weekend as NCAAs, which were halfway across the country. So there was no way, you know, you were going to be able to attend both. But I guess at least this year, it seems like, I mean, I don't know how all the qualifiers work, but it does look like, like you said, it's a week later. So I guess that's a step up in my mind than being on the exact same day. At least those kids, those youth kids can can follow the NCAA tournament, which in my opinion, I think I, I gained more valuable wrestling uh, knowledge and experience watching some of the best guys in the country in the college level compete than I did probably ever go into a tournament myself. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just silly to me. And I think this is a good example of we hurt ourselves as a sport. You know, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you want young kids to be able to look at Jason Nolf and Zane Rutherford and Darian Cruz and Spencer Lee and and you know Mark Hall and Bo Nickel and all these guys? Why wouldn't you want them to be able to look at those guys as their heroes and go watch them? And go watch them win national titles. Go watch them be all American. I, I just think and obviously NCAA's it's not difficult for the NCAA to sell the event out, right? You know, anybody that's trying to get tickets this year has dealt with that issue. But I, I just think we hurt ourselves as a sport. We, we talk all the time about how can we grow the sport, and then we do things like this. We make fans choose, okay, do I want to go with my younger son to PJWs? Do I want to go with my older one 
to high school states or, you know, NCAAs and, you know, like your situation, it's, it sucks that you guys had to make the decision to go to NCAAs or to go to your qualifier. It, it, I just think it's a really silly thing that exists in our sport, and I just wish the powers that be, and who knows, maybe we need a petition in or whatever, but I, I just wish we could get a move to the beginning of February because that's the youth season should be short. It should be, definitely be the shortest, um, and we should enable these younger kids to be able to walk, go to the tournaments of the age groups above them, to be able to be fans of it, to be able to see the next levels, the higher levels, and to give them that image in their head that they can aspire to. So, I agree. Yeah, I that, was going to say, if you, if you bump it up in, Feb, in, uh, in March, I mean, then you're competing with high school states. Then the week before that, you're competing with regionals. So, yeah, like you said, I think February is the best bet because, like you said, the season should be short. It should be more focused on fun. Um, it shouldn't be a long, grueling season for seven-year-old kids. You know what I mean? So I, I agree with you there. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating situation, and our sport is slow to change things. But anyway, not to spend too much time on non-college wrestling things. So number one, this is not a drill. I don't think it's a drill anyway. Jason Nolf, according to Kale Sanderson, is wrestling this weekend, so that's pretty awesome for a lot of reasons. As a fan, selfishly, it's awesome because he's super fun to watch. It's also awesome because that means Nolf is healthy and ready to go, which above all else is the most important thing that, you know, Jason is ready to rock and roll. You know, you never want to see somebody burn a ear because of an injury, so that's awesome. So this is different than the whole Suriano situation last year where he entered at the Big Tens, but then just kind of stepped down on the mat and forfeit and uh, injury defaulted at the one second mark or whatever. We're actually expecting to see Nolf compete, right? I mean, I think so. I definitely think so. But yeah, I don't know. I from everything that that I've heard, you know, it's been really tight lipped, but all the whispers around you know, kind of the Penn State camp and everything. Um, it's kind of seemed like this was the case that that Nolf was much that was he was very far ahead of where Seriano was a year ago. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. Well, you know that's that's when the rubber meets the road, right? So hard to say, but I hope it's true. Just being totally selfish as a fan. But hey, that's the beauty of being a fan. We can be selfish, right? That's right, especially now that we're uh, on the media side of things. Yeah, very true. Anyway, uh, another tidbit here. Brian Pearsall promoted to the head assistant at the University of Pennsylvania. Awesome for, for Coach Pearsall. Congratulations to him. Very well-deserved, a guy that is clearly one of the best young coaches probably in college wrestling, just from the way that you know, Roger Reina's one of the most credentialed head coaches in college wrestling right now, you know, when you really talk about his entire career and the way that he speaks about uh, Coach Pearsall, the way that Kevin Ward from, you know, Army West Point, who was a guest of ours, uh, you know, a couple months or so back, the way all these guys speak about Brian Pearsall, it obviously, you know, he does a great job. So congratulations to him. Yeah, I was. I got to be a District Three native out of Warwick, Pearsall. I got to be on a uh, freestyle. What was it? Junior duels team with him way back, way back, probably ten years ago. Super nice kid. One of the most. Uh, I'll say. I mean, we had a pretty diverse team out there. We didn't even do that well, I don't think. But he was one of the most uh, well liked kids on that team for sure. I remember just being out there, being kind of a younger guy, and he he was real friendly, real welcoming kid. He wrestled pretty tough, and then. Yeah, had a had a really good career walking on at Penn State and uh, working his way into the starting lineup. Had a good career, and then now good to see him doing great things in the coaching world. So, good job for Pearsall. Congrats to him. Right, awesome, and you know, hopefully, that continues to mean good things for uh, for the Penn program. So, all right, moving on. Outstanding wrestlers of this past weekend. Obviously, there were no starters in action, so to speak. 
So a little bit, a little bit of a thin field. Well, I, that's not Pac true. 12. No starters. Pac-12. Pac-12. I'm sorry. So staying in the Pac-12, going Josh Shields, two for two and winning the Pac-12. Awesome weekend for him. Another great performance. Put himself in a position to be a top four or five seed at NCAAs. And depending on, you know, we already touched on Jason Nolf, but if it were to come to fruition that maybe Nolf isn't fully healthy, being on the top side with him might not be the worst draw. If that were to be the case. Again, obviously it's pure speculation at this point, and we'll know a lot more in a few days. But, um, yeah, he's my OW of the weekend. What do you got? Um. Brian Courtney and Jake Woodley both, if I'm not mistaken, took titles at the National Collegiate Open. Is that right? As red shirts, Courtney yep. for UVA, Woodley for Oklahoma. So, yes, sir. Two champs for Pennsylvania there. I think Nino Bonacorsi got second or maybe third. He had a pretty good performance as well. Um, so, pretty good things for some PA boys, some some freshmen out there at the National Collegiate Open that happened last weekend. We'll dive deeper into those results here when we get to our weekend results recap. And then uh, I, I happened to see this on Facebook. Mason, I know you already put it on the outline. You can probably go into deeper detail. But Matt McCutcheon, Penn State's one of Penn State's many 197-pounders who we had on the show early in the fall, um, did, did a pretty good deed this week from what I saw. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So a little kid who out in Iowa who I believe has leukemia, who's a huge Penn State fan, and I don't really know how – him and Matt got into contact. I don't know. I think it said McCutcheon saw a YouTube video. Is that what it was? Okay. That's what so, I So sent, you know, one way or another, Matt heard about this kid's story and that he's a big fan of Matt's as well as Penn State wrestling. So Matt wrote him a full handwritten letter, sent him a bunch of Penn State wrestling gear, and the entire Penn State wrestling team signed the card along with Matt. It's just really cool stuff, man. And, and – you know, it doesn't necessarily take a ton of time, but nobody would ever be any the wiser if he if he doesn't do that. And, you know, Matt doesn't gain anything out of doing that other than just doing some good for somebody else, right? So that's awesome. So Matt McCutcheon wins Outstanding Human Being of the Week. Yep, classy move. Classy move by the whole team, and especially McCutcheon for spearheading that. Good for him. Right. Uh, so what do we got here? Challenge bricks. Mine. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus is that the pack 12 in general i pose this question why do you insist on having your conference tournament a week early? Why you got, why you got to be different? I don't get it. I also don't understand why you would want your guys to have two weeks off before NCAAs. That just feels like a lot, like a big lull before the biggest weekend of the year. Um, seems odd to me, but yeah. um, who knows? That's one of those ones. I'm sure there was some logic somewhere along the line that got it to got that to be the case. I don't know what it is. I just think it's kind of weird and mildly annoying. Yeah, it's probably one of those, this is the way we've always done it type things, so we're not going to change it, whether it's for good, better or for worse. Right, right. I guess so, my only challenge brick of the week is uh, hasn't happened yet, but it happens on an annual basis. We're coming up on the postseason conference tournaments this weekend, and just, you know, next week, whenever the NCAA committee meets, uh, the at-large bids will be selected, four per weight class. And I just think every year, year after year, you'll see some really good kids. I mean, granted, 
if they don't show up at the conference tournament and don't qualify themselves, then obviously they're putting the decision in somebody else's hands, which is never a good situation. But I just see year after year so many good kids get left at home for the NCAA tournament, and I just think that sometimes the decisions are so inconsistent, number one, and number two just seem to be a little bit political, and uh, you'll just see kids get picked over other kids that just don't really make any sense to me, just kind of head-scratching um, situations. So I'm just throwing a challenge brick early. Hopefully we don't see a lot of it this year, but every year I see, I see some pretty suspect uh, at-large bids selected. Well, if we're throwing preemptive challenge breaks, I'm going to throw them at the seeding committee because we already know there's going to be cattywampus seeds. That's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> so weekend results, Pac-12 tournament, really obviously the only conference tournament going on. Arizona State wins six of the ten weights, 133, Ali uh, Nazer, I think it's pronounced, 149, Jason Sertzis, 157, the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Shields. 65 and 74, the Valencia brothers, and 184 was Cordell Northfleet. Other champs include Ronnie Bresser from Oregon State at 125. He won in a pretty exciting match with Ryan Milhoff in the finals. That, to me, was kind of the premier matchup of Pac 12s. That was a match that, in the duel, Milhoff won with a late reversal and backs. So those two guys, both top 10 guys, I think top 10. I know, I mean, regardless, Milhoff's a returning All American. So both top flight guys. Colton Schilling from Cal Poly wins at 141. Corey Grigo from Oregon State wins at 197. Amar Desi from Oregon State wins at heavyweight. Amar Desi, the the Canadian wonder, if you will. Yeah, and interesting that Tanner Hall, returning, what, third-place finisher at NCAAs, um, lost in the semis, didn't he? Got third, I think. Yeah, he lost to Nathan Butler, I think, in a rideout, the Stanford guy. The Pac-12 could very easily have three heavyweight All-Americans. Yeah. Definitely. The other, the only other results were the NCO, the National Collegiate Open, which is kind of the national tournament for red shirts and non-starters. You got Brian Courtney, Athens area native, couple times state champ. He's at UVA. He wins at one forty-one. Jake Woodley, North Allegheny native, state champ. He wins at one ninety-seven for Oklahoma. Nino Bonacorsi was a runner-up at 184, and Jimmy Saylor, Easton native, runner-up at 157. Uh, is a Bethel Park native, so he competes for Pitt. Jimmy Saylor competes for Army West Point. So all four of those guys, four finalists out of 20, pretty solid showing for Pennsylvania guys down there. I didn't dive crazy deep into other medalists. It's a little bit hard to track results from opens and things like that without – without all these guys being attached and whatnot. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But outstanding job by all four of those guys, and I'm sure that all four of them will be names that we'll be talking about pretty regularly in the years to come. Agreed with that. Let's jump into our listener questions segment. Um, we got a couple here, and I feel like they keep coming, Mason. I just We just got tagged in another one about an hour ago, I think. But uh, let's start with, ooh, let's see. This question's from Real Avery Lynch on Twitter. He's hit us with a couple good ones, so shout out to him for for being a loyal listener. He's got what non Big Ten conference bracket are you most excited to watch? EIWA one thirty three. That the uh, Scotty Parker. That's Parker DeSanto Terrell. DeSanto, yeah, that's a good one. So I'd say that one. I or... had a good one highlighted here. Um. Big 12, 141 will be a good one just because of Heil and Meredith. Meredith. And Albert is in there, too. Ian, Ian Parker's tough, too. I right. had uh, I had Big 12, 125 circled, too, just because Piccinini, you got Zeke, Moisey, you got Taylor Lamont, who started off really strong in the beginning of the year, Jay Schwarm from Northern Iowa, and Christian Moody from Oklahoma. So that's, as far as the Big 12 goes, at least, that's a pretty tough weight. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's see what else? I had another one somewhere. Fifty-seven is kind of interesting in the ACC. Not necessarily. I mean, Hydley's probably going to run away with the title, but the guys fighting in the for the rest of the spots. You got Fine Silver from Duke, Kennedy Monday, who's a stud for as a freshman. You got Taylor Bermani, who was what one or two matches away from All American last year, who's I think like a fifth seed or a fourth seed. And then you got Solomon Chishko, who's obviously a two-time All American, who's now up a weight. Hasn't been having the best year. He's not in the lineup anymore. 
No, BC LaPrade beat him out, according to what I was told. Okay. So that's that even crazier. Throws a wrench in that one, but I mean, still, there's some good, some big names in that bracket. Right. Yeah, and well, not to rain on the parade. Sorry about that, but. Yeah, and 133 in the ACC is tough, too, with Jack Mueller, Dom Forey's. Tariq Wilson and Dennis Gustafson, and I think. Uh, do you see? Tar- do you see Mueller's the four seed? I was just gonna say, and I'm pretty sure Mueller got the fourth seed because I think he got beat by Tariq Wilson, didn't he? That's probably why. This, the conference yeah, seeding seemed to go Tur- heavily based on head to head. So, well, which makes sense. It's based yeah. on the conference record, and yeah. Forey's beat. He beat Tariq and Gustafson. Mueller lost to Tariq. Now, what's interesting, I wonder if Tariq's the two or three. Gustafson's a two. Okay, so Gus must have beat Tariq. Or didn't wrestle him, because I don't know that Tariq Wilson was in the starting lineup all year for NC State at 33. I want to say they started with uh, one of those twins earlier in the year. I could be wrong. The Morrises? I could be wrong, but that's what I thought. But anyway, we'll we'll get deeper into our ACC preview whenever we preview all the conference tournaments here. Mason, let's go to our let's go to your listener question that you posed for yourself. My listener question to myself, right? Because I knew that if I didn't put this here, I would forget about it. Where do you consider so a guy like Mark Hall, a guy like Freddie Stroker's a little bit harder because he moved around a lot, although so did Mark Hall. Where do you consider a guy like that to be from? So Mark Hall is a Michigan native. I think everybody knows that. He was born and raised in Michigan, um, up there in Davison. Goes to seventh grade round one in Kentucky. Then he spent seventh grade round two through graduating high school up at Apple Valley, Minnesota, which is a public school that doesn't have open enrollment. So they had an address in Apple Valley. So they like he lived in Apple Valley in one form or another, lived in Apple Valley for six years, competed junior high and high school there. So Mark Hall's national title last year, right? I would say it has it, to go to Minnesota. Right. Because here, here's my thing. And I have no, no Stake in this argument plan. about the fact that he's a Michigan native and all of that stuff. But he spent the last six years of his career in Minnesota. So when we're breaking down... And and this is all semantics, right? It doesn't actually matter. But you spent the last six years of your wrestling career in Minnesota. I just I don't understand. Again, at a public school that doesn't have open enrollment, Thomas Gilman's a different situation. Lived in Iowa, went to a Catholic school right across the border in Nebraska. Different kind of thing, right? Like when he goes to Far, when he went to Fargo, he went for Iowa because of his Iowa address. Um. There was another one. Oh, so if you're gonna attribute Mark Hall to Minnesota or to to Michigan, that means we gotta attribute David Taylor to Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. That's my that that is my point. If we're gonna level this across the board, because Taylor moved, I think, in junior high to Graham. If that is the case, then you gotta attribute David Taylor to Wyoming. I which think nobody that, does. That example pretty much illustrates what the answer should be. Minnesota, right? Is. Which nobody does. And look, where the family lives now, quite frankly, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. The kid lived, trained, went to school in Minnesota. His listed address was Minnesota for six years. So, yeah, that that was kind of my point. That came up in a Twitter conversation with uh, with Willie. He attributed him to Michigan, and that was. My point, especially when you think about the fact that your seventh through twelfth grade years, think about how much development goes on in that time. You know what I mean? Like you really grow into the guy you're gonna be stepping into the college room in those years. And that happened for Mark. Now he bounced around all over. He went with the OTC and whatnot, and I'm sure he went back to Michigan to train. But at the end of the day, the majority of that happened in Minnesota. Yep. So, yeah, right. Last uh, last listener question came from Ron Crossface Frazier. Thank him for shouting this one out. He says, this time of year, the PA All-American count always gets a lot of attention. 
But what about the number of PA natives serving as head coaches for D1 programs? So this is a good good uh, topic to bring up, I guess. Mason, I guess basically, which D1 coaches right now jump out to you that are PA natives? I thought off the top of my head when I saw this question, I thought Scott Moore's doing big things at Lock Haven. They're having a great year. I thought Keith Gavin's doing a pretty good job turning around Pitt, even though they didn't have a great dual year. I think they have good individuals, a couple that could make a good run at NCAAs. I also thought of Matt Storniolo at Northwestern um, between Sebastian Rivera, Ryan Deacon, um, Johnny Sebastian's moving into the top 20, Mitch Sliga, Conan Jennings was in the blood round last year at heavyweight. So, I mean, their 33-pounder, I think he's a true freshman, kind of unheralded, was ranked in the top 20 most of the year. I would say, I would say those guys jumped out to me. Run through the list again for me. Storniolo at Northwestern, Scott Moore at Lock Haven, Keith Gavin at Pitt. Um, those are guys who immediately jumped out to me as PA native serving as head coaches. Well, Santoro, Storniolo, Gavin, Reyna. Teague Moore is an American. Teague. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of examples. Those were just the ones Scotty that Moore. jumped out to me right away. Yeah, Scott Moore's one. Um, Rogers, the Coleman head at Scott. FNM. How about Coleman, Coleman Scott? Scott? I'm pretty sure Rogers, the head at F and M, is a Pennsylvania guy. Yeah, this was one. I probably should have done more research on this before we recorded, but there's a lot of them. This is actually a really, really good question. There's a ton of Pennsylvania natives floating around as Division One head coaches. Which is pretty cool when you really think about it because there's not that many jobs for that that type of thing. It makes sense, though, being the best state, you know. Yeah, I mean, just the network and, and everything. When you when you produce, you consistently produce the most Division One All-Americans every year, it would just stand a reason that it would, you know, kind of continue to translate upward, right? Yeah. So, and I'm sure there's definitely guys that, that we're forgetting or that we're missing, but just off the top of my head. And I think it's very cool that that many Pennsylvania schools are led by Pennsylvania natives. Oh, um, Clarion Ferraro, he's a, he's a PA guy, isn't he? Yeah, I would think so. I'm pretty sure he's a Brookville guy. I know he coached at Brookville, but I'm pretty sure he's a Brookville guy. I could be wrong. I should ask Brock Sackerl about that. Anyway, before we totally derail, let's let's get into our weekend preview and talk about conference tournaments. So I'll uh, I'll give you the floor. You go ahead and lead with Big Ten. Okay, there's a lot of conference tournaments coming up this weekend. A lot of weights, a lot of matches to go through. Mason, do we want to? We don't, probably don't want to roll through every single weight class at least for all of these. But I guess for each conference, let's just pick a bracket that really stands out. Um, the Big Ten coming up. I mean, we could go on about pretty much all of these brackets. I would say you got to start with 25. You got Nathan Tomasello, Nick Seriano, Spencer Lee, and Sebastian Rivera. Spencer Lee, by the way, coming up um, here on this show. Very fortunate to be able to grab a hold of Spencer for a brief interview. But uh, that's an absolutely stacked bracket. He seems pretty excited to, to get scrapping in that one. Yeah, and I'm excited to watch him. And you know what? If I'm picking, I'm picking Spencer because every time I pick against him, he maybe well maybe I should pick against him so he keeps winning. Selfishly, yeah. Right. Either way, I'm picking Spencer this weekend. And if he gets beat when I pick him, I'm just never gonna pick him again. That's yep. that, that seems seems like the logical thing to do, right? Sounds about right. But the kid his entire life, all he's ever done is win. He's continued Bionic knee and all to be awesome this year. Going to be really interesting to see what form Suriano is in after missing about a month due to sickness. Tomasello, you know what you're getting there. Probably going to see a rematch with him and Spencer in the semis, which will be a ton of fun. Be interesting to see what adjustments NATO has made, as well as what adjustments Spencer will make. Not to mention you've got Sebastian Rivera in there as the four, so gonna have a lot of good matchups in there and then Lezak I think is like the seven so that's a seven six somewhere in there but Lezak's a fairly low seed so it's gonna be really interesting to see how that all plays out and if 
I mean, hey, maybe Backpack Lezak throws another wrench into things. Yeah, I mean, this is returning NCAA finalist we're talking about. Let's not forget that. Yeah, and a kid that can score a lot of points and not a lot of time because of how he is on top. Yep, that's right. 133, uh, I guess we might as well roll through some of these Big Ten weights since there's so many PA guys. you got Luke Pletcher, who still has, what, just one loss on the season, I think. He's in a bracket with Stevan Micic from Michigan and Mitch McKee from Minnesota. So really any one of those um, guys, I guess, could emerge at this weight class. You'd have to think Micic is the favorite right now, but watch out for Luke as those two have split matches this year. Yeah. Again, if I'm picking, I'm probably going to pick Mitchich just the way he has looked lately. He's looked light out, man. Yeah. And, kind of, and honestly, since that, since Vegas, he's kind of gotten himself back to that kid that we all expected him to be as far as, you know, the clear number two behind, behind Seth Gross. So if I'm picking, I'm picking Mitchich, but I think Pletcher is absolutely right in that match. I'm going to be interested to see Pletcher and McKee because they're completely contrasting styles. You know, you've got Pletcher, who's not conservative, but everything's very straightforward. Everything's very basic, fundamentals. And McKee, who throws five kitchen sinks at you a match. So that's going to be a, an interesting match to see how it plays out. Yeah, and speaking of the way people have looked lately, I'd say few people in the country have looked as good lately as Joey McKenna. For Ohio State, um, yep. he's coming in at 141. You got him and Nick Lee for Penn State leading the way. Um, Mikey Carr, who we interviewed a few weeks ago for Illinois, PA boy. Um, Limix from Purdue, Cole Weaver from Indiana, Chad Red from Nebraska, and Tommy Thorne from Minnesota. So a pretty deep weight class, but I would I would say, as you put here on the outline, McKenna and Lee seem to be the, uh, the, the surefire pick for the finals. Right. I, I don't really know how you can pick against that final with the way that especially with the way that Joey McKenna has been wrestling lately he's we talked about it back to the guy that we saw in Madison Square Garden so if that's the case it's a McKenna Lee final that match I'm sure will be huge for the team race behind that you've got Mikey Carr who was a guest a couple of weeks ago Nate Lemix Cole Weaver Chad Red, Tommy Thorne gonna be a fun way to watch but I think McKenna Lee is kind of the match that looms 149, Zane and Sorensen, pretty much Zane, right. Zane and then Sorensen. And then Sorensen and then everybody else. Yeah. 157 is obviously going to be interesting with Nolf coming back. We don't know how healthy he is, what his status is, but all we know is that we always trust Kale. And if he says Nolf's ready to go, then I think Nolf's going to be ready to go. And then you got Mikey Kemmer, another PA boy wrestling for Iowa. Uh, Pantaleo from Michigan. Micah Jordan and Tyler Berger from Nebraska, among others. So another pretty stacked weight class. Right. It'll be a, uh, be a fun weight class. And obviously the Nolf situation with his knee is the biggest question mark and the biggest storyline, probably a big tens as a whole. But if Nolf goes, you got to believe it'll be a Nolf Kemmer final. Also the interesting tied for number one pre-seed was weird between those two, but then you've got the biggest enigma in college wrestling and Pantaleo is the three, Micah, Berger. So be a fun wait. 65. I'm this is my most right anticipated uh, conference bracket, bracket sure. by far, yeah. hands down. Yes. Did you see that eight of the top 12 got – or six of the top eight are in this weight, and I think eight of the top 12 in the country are in this weight? Yeah, I was going to say, just listed alone here, you got Imar, Chenzo, Marinelli, Richie Lewis, Evan Wick, Nick Wanzek, and Logan Massa. And then you don't even have here listed, but Isaiah White for Nebraska and Tashan Campbell for Ohio State both have been in the top 10 this year at some point. So, I mean, that's incredibly deep, incredibly stacked weight class. Uh, Imar undefeated, Marinelli undefeated, Chenzo just that one loss to Marinelli. Um the rest of these guys all just a handful of losses. They're all top ten guys. Yeah, they're <laughs> this weight's gonna be outrageous because it's gonna be guys will finish. It, it, it's very likely that somebody in here will finish lower at the conference tournament than they will at NCAA's. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which is just outrageous. Who who are you picking for that weight, by the way? 
I'll go Imar. I just kind of have a gut feeling that something – he's just looked different this year. He's looked like the freshman version of himself that was just chasing something. You know what I mean? And I hope I'm wrong. I really, truly hope I'm wrong and that Chenzo is the guy that comes out. I think Chenzo beats Marinelli for what that's worth. I think it's a chenzo Imar final. Wouldn't in the least surprise me if they split, meaning, say, Chenzo wins this one, Imar wins the next one. But, yeah, that's that, that's kind of my thought process. Who you got? Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I'd probably go with Imar for this one, but like you said, never count out Chenzo at the NCAA tournament or in any kind of big match from what we've seen of him so far. Yeah, you can't count him out, period, man. He's just... yeah. He's just really, really good at wrestling, and he's super dangerous. Now, what we have seen lately that's been interesting is that he's gotten himself into trouble both his last two matches, right? Yeah, with Iowa and then with Buffalo. Buffalo, obviously Marinelli capitalized. Well, both situations his opponent capitalized on, but Marinelli made it stand up, whereas... The kid from Buffalo was not successful in making it stand up. So, you know, it uh, it'll be interesting to see if Chenzo's a little more cautious. I doubt it, just because he's always been a go for broke guy. But gonna be gonna be a fun weight to watch. Yep. Yeah, let's uh, <clears throat> roll through the rest of these weights. One seventy four, obviously Mark Hall, but you know, potential rematch of the NCAA finals with Bo Jordan looming there. You also got. Uh, Wait, I always get their first names mixed up. Is this Miles Amin? The bigger one is Miles, yeah. That's right. He was a fourth-place finisher last year at NCAAs and owns a win over Bo Jordan this season. So that's a pretty stacked weight class. And then at 184, we got Bo Nickel and Miles Martin, obviously probably the two guys on a collision course. And then Abinator from Michigan is in his fifth-year senior campaign. Yet to get on the podium, but you know, you'd think he'd be up there this year. And then Emery Parker from Illinois is a top-ten guy too. So both those weights... Um, maybe not super deep, but have some pretty good names up top. Yeah, the match in this weight to me, I guess there's really two, but you've got you've got Bojo Amin round three. They've split so far. You've got that in the semi on the bottom, which will be a really fun one. I gotta believe Bo wins that one. I just don't see Amin beating him twice in a row. And then you've got Hall Jordan round four. Yeah, round four. So, going to be a really fun bracket to watch how the semis and finals play out. I got Marky Mark winning it. I just, kids, he's the consummate winner. There's not much else you can say. Yeah, I agree. And I, same thing with Bo Nickel at 84. Yeah, Nickel over Mymar. I don't think there's much to say there. 97, though, there is some stuff to say. Um, Colin Moore, Ohio State. I guess still ranked number one despite two recent losses, or at least still he's seated number one, maybe not ranked number one. Um, right. Cor- Corey Rashid gets the nod. Shakur Rashid, I guess he goes by now, gets the nod for Penn State. Cash Wilkie from Iowa, Hunter Ritter from Wisconsin, Kevin Beasley uh, from Michigan. But really it's Rashid and Moore on a collision course probably. Um, we saw Kassar in the dual meet get thrown out there and pull off the, the monumental upset over Colin Moore. How do you see Rashid matching up with him? Man, I don't know. So, uh, look, I think Rashid is really, really good, obviously. And, you know, he's not just a cradle guy. Shakur Rashid is very, very good. But it all depends on what version of Colin Moore shows up. And even if the best version of him shows up, Rashid is absolutely in that match. But it's a hard match to predict because Moore's been kind of schizophrenic. I think that for the first time in his life, Moore is the guy with the bullseye on his back because he was never that guy in high school. I think he only won one state title, was never that top-tier national guy that got the attention that people talked about, that people really, really wanted to beat. And I I completely understand that. I think that might be playing games in his head. So if Colin Moore comes to wrestle, he's going to be a bear to beat. But having said that, so is Rashid. If I'm picking... I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'll go Rashid. Yeah, I don't see... Honestly, I'm picking Rashid. I don't think he loses another match this year. That's my maybe uh, Pennsylvania biased pick. But he's, like you said, 
riding the hot hand. That guy looks untouchable right now at 197. I completely agree. He's he's looked outstanding. Then heavyweight, it all comes down. I don't care what you say to Snyder and Kuhn. Who you got? I got Snyder. Um, I mean, all the credit in the world to Kuhn for the last match, but like you said, it's pretty hard to beat the best guy in the world twice in a row. So, I mean, I don't see it happening again. I agree. And you know what? If if Adam Kuhn, if Kuhn proves us all wrong again, then more, kudos more to him regardless. Yeah, kudos to him regardless. But if he does it again, that will very much – That'll change a lot of people's opinions about how they're going to see NCAAs working out. Also, it would throw a massive wrench into Ohio State's team hope. But yeah, let's um for the sake of time, let's roll through the rest of these conference tournaments. We have all these match, all these uh you know big names at each weight laid out. Mason, let's pick one weight at each tournament just for the sake of time that you're most intrigued to see. Start with the EIWAs, your uh your former conference tournament here. Yes, yes, sir. The oldest conference in college wrestling. Fun fact, the 114th edition of the EIWA tournament. I'll go 33, like I said before. I think the DeSanto, Parker, Terrell, Triumvirate's going to be super interesting to see it play out. Three very different styles. You have DeSanto, who has that crazy high pace. The the grip that rip rips skin off of Coach Azevedo's arm every day at practice. You have Scotty Parker, who's just that fundamental guy. He's got, you know, good single leg, good high crotch, good go behind. He's just tough in all three positions. You know what I mean? Nothing flashy, but he's super solid. And then you've got Josh Terrell, who does things that we – we've only seen the things Josh Terrell does before because his older brother did them. But before David, we'd never really seen the crap that those guys – I don't want to say crap because it's not. They're just – you know, it's all judo-based, so it's very, very different. And I wrestled Josh my senior year, and it's it's a full blown nightmare. It's not fun. You are you are completely paranoid for seven minutes. Gonna be a really fun way to watch it play out. If I'm picking, obviously I can't. It, I'm gonna pick Scotty because I'm I can't be objective with with these guys. <laughs> At least you admit it. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna argue it. I'm, hey, the first I'm step is Scotty. admitting the problem. So good for you. Yeah, it's not a problem. I'm going to go with 197. Um, ben Darmstadt ranked third in the country right now as a freshman for Cornell. That kid's on fire. Frank Matisse from Penn, veteran guy who's been around, almost was an All-American last year. You got Jarrett Kasnick from a Benton kid. Is he Benton? I think, yeah. He's yeah. wrestling for American. Um, Russ, huge product. He's pretty close to top 10. Uh, Steven Loizo for Drexel, and then Chris Weiler, who's a really tough redshirt freshman for Lehigh. I'm going to pick Darmstadt, although he does have a loss this year. I think one of his two losses is to Matisse, uh, Frank Matisse. So I think he's just – Matty Ace. Is it Matty Ace? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Darmstadt's been on fire lately. I think he'll avenge that one and, and get the dub there. He's a, he's a title contender at 197 as a young buck. Yeah, Darmstadt – Heard a lot of talk about how good the Cornell camp thought he would be. And even knowing how well they produce freshmen, i.e. Gianni Diakmahalis, Kyle Dake, Gabe Dean, Max Dean, for that matter, did not expect this type of season out of Darmstadt. He's, he's the number one guy in America right now, I think, depending on where you look. Yeah. So... All right, ACCs. My pick for this would be I'm going 57. I think Hydeley, Fine Silver, Kennedy Monday, Taylor Bramani, BC LaPrade, if it's not Solomon Chisco. Going to be a really fun way to watch it play out. Obviously, I'm picking Hydeley. He's undefeated to this point. You know, going to the national tournament, put himself in a position to maybe be the one seed. You know, if Jason Nolf wins Big Tens, Nolf, as much as it sucks, has a loss on his re- record, right? So if it comes to be that Hayden wins ACCs, which he's absolutely the odds-on favorite to do, and Nolf wins Big Tens, could see a Hayden Hydley number one seed, which would be interesting. Yeah, we already I talked think... to... Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you got it. I was just going to say, I think they would still go with Nolf based on the fact that He's a returning national champion also. 
Well, yeah, but more than anything, his only loss is a default. That that would be my guess anyway. I could be dead wrong. The committee has shown that the one thing they value most is going undefeated. So yeah, I was gonna say Jimmy Sheptock got the one seed one year for Maryland over Ed Ruth for a similar situation. I think that was the year Ruth took that one loss to uh, Gabe Dean. At the well, scuffle. Ed was the three. Yeah, yeah, yep. Because uh, Dean was two. Right, right. So who you got here? At I was just gonna go with. Fifty-seven and thirty-three are the most intriguing. We already talked about both of them, but thirty-three: Jack Mueller, Dom Forries, Tariq Wilson, Dennis Gustafson—all tough guys. I see. Uh, I see either F- Mueller or Forries winning it, and I think they're on the same side of the bracket. So whoever wins that semi, I think, goes on and wins the bracket. So, um, I guess I'll pick Forries, PA boy, but uh, I could easily see Mueller coming out and winning that one too. He's a turning all-American. Sixth place finisher at 25 last year for UVA. So um, let's roll on to the Big 12. Um, we already talked about a couple of these brackets. Mason, which one intrigues you the most? I'm still going to go 41 just with Meredith Heil, mainly because it all comes down to what are we going to see out of Dean Heil. It, it's crazy to think that a guy that's a two-time returning defending national champ we're using the conference tournament as a measuring stick, but we are. Because if he goes out and beats Bryce, and Bryce has been super consistent this year. He's been at that elite number one, number two level all year long. If if Dean goes out and beats him, then all of a sudden we're back to square one and that Dean Hiles is a very clear national title contender. If Bryce beats him, you know, Bryce has still never taken him down, which is a bizarre statistic, but... If Bryce goes and beats him, then maybe Heil is on the Derek St. John path where he'll finish as an All-American, but it'll it'll kind of be a it'll be a five six range, never truly contended for that title kind of tournament. So I'm excited to watch how 41 plays out. Yeah, 141 is obviously a big one. I already talked about 125, so I won't go into that much depth. But Piccinini, Taylor Lamont. Zeke Moisey, Christian Moody, and Jay Schwarm. Five pretty good names, top 20 guys, and Zeke's always intriguing. He's a polarizing figure. Um, one of my favorite guys in college wrestling. Um, always talk about him, so I'll leave it at that, but I'd like to see how he does, how he stacks up against those guys. Um, let's roll on to the MAC. Maction, my Maction. former conference. My former competing conference here. 140, or, uh, I was going to say 141. Probably my weight, Jaden Ironman um, for Missouri, a fifth place finisher last year. Mason Smith from Central Michigan, who was a one of those guys who was pretty solid last year. I want to say he qualified, but didn't make a whole lot of noise at the national tournament. But this year, he's been a he's a Midlands champ. I think he's moved all the way up to like the top ten, maybe ten spot. And then Alex Madrigal for Old Dominion, who's coming up a weight from one thirty three, um, has had a really good year. I think he was hurt for a little bit, but I think he's healthy now. And he could, he could, uh, him and Mason Smith in the semis could be a, an intriguing one. Could see him in the finals against Ironman. What do you got here? Forty-one is definitely one of mine, but I'm gonna go forty-nine with Grant Leith and Justin Oliver. Both of these guys have been ranked in the top five for a lot of this season. Forty-nine behind Zane and Sorensen doesn't get basically any attention, and I get it. But Grant Leith is ranked third. Oliver. Honestly, I don't know what he's ranked right off the top of my head, but he's been like fourth, fifth for a lot of the year. So this is going to be a super fun match. Both really scrambly guys. Leith, a rubber knee guy that can do things that look like they should rip your knee in half. So going to be a fun one to watch play out at 49. Yeah, I agree. Let's roll into our last one, or at least the last one we're going to talk about, the EWL. Stack full of Pennsylvania guys. Um, not a whole lot of weights that have a ton of depth, but just from a, from a clear, um, one, two matchup here in the conference, I'm going 165 rematch of Chance Marsteller and Chad Walsh, Chad Walsh, a two-time All-American now for Ryder in his senior year. Chance, what is he now? A red shirt junior for Lockhaven only has that one blemish on his record came to a red shirt from Northern Iowa in Bryce Steyart at the scuffle, but Chance, Chad Walsh, could be a doozy. Yeah, I'm going 65-2. I think that's a no-brainer. 
picking um picking Chance with my head and my heart. I also think Ch- Chance is a horrible style matchup for Chad. I agree. With so as solid. technic as positionally sound as he is, and as powerful as Chance is, it's going to be really hard to get into the the scramble sequences that Walsh wants to force. So I agree. I think sixty five is by far the way to watch. So, all right, that is that's our weekend preview. You know, right now we mentioned it a little bit already, but we had an awesome conversation with Spencer Lee earlier. So we're gonna throw it over to that. Hear from him about what he's thinking heading into his first postseason as a collegiate wrestler, and we'll bring it back and wrap it up. Now is a living Pennsylvania legend. He's a three-time Pennsylvania State champ. Current Iowa Hawkeye, ranked as high as second and third in the country. As a true freshman, three-time world champ, Spencer Lee. Spencer, thanks for coming on the program, man. Thanks for having me. So, it's been an interesting year for you, man. Um, Definitely a little bit different, I'm sure, than what you're used to. You know, to go all the way back to, to last spring, you get your knee operated on, and you go through the entire rehab process, which puts you right into really the start of the season, and then you're kind of in that first semester limbo with with your whether or not you're going to redshirt or whether you're going to wrestle and everything. Just talk about what this last year or this last nine months has been like for you and, and you know, what the growth process has been like. Uh, I think it was just a – I think the transition to college was a, was a something a little – it was more. It was different than what I had expected, to be honest. But it was good. It was a good different. Uh, University of Iowa did a good job. And the coaches staff did a good job uh, getting me acclimated to this this type of uh, level of wrestling and uh, partners. I mean, I had great partners, so you know, there's you know, no excuse as to why I wouldn't be ready to go for college. So I was just preparing myself mentally the, the whole time during rehab, get ready to go in this room and scrap hard and. Uh, you know, obviously my first priority was getting my knee 100%, and then it was getting back on the mat and getting to where I wanted to be and to where the coaches and I believed that I was ready to go. Spencer, you talked a little bit about your uh, training partners. Um, I just wanted to ask, in a couple minutes, if you could just sum it up, what's it like to be an Iowa Hawkeye? Um, I mean, coming from Pennsylvania, you're a legend out there. You come in um, just from the coaching staff, the culture, the history. The facilities, I mean, the, the kind of training you guys get there. What's it like, if you could describe it briefly, uh, to be an Iowa Hawkeye? Well, for me, to be an Iowa Hawkeye, it's like being a part of a family. Uh, all of us want to see each other succeed, no matter if you're you know, a starter or not. But we don't care. The whole point of this program is to see everyone try and become the best that they can be, whether that is being an play champion or if it is being a backup. I mean, I'm not, not trying to you know, put anything down on that. But... That, that's what I see University of Iowa as, and that's something that I saw on my recruiting trips and why it was a big reason why I came here. Uh, the coaching staff, they treat you like, you know, you're, you're, you're like their son. You're like one of the, like I see them as like almost a father figure besides obviously my own father. And, you know, they, uh, they'll literally do anything to help you, like it, whatever it takes. And I just love that, you know, mentality because it, it makes all the guys in this team want to, you know, run through a wall for our coaches and, you know, try and reach our goals. And I'll, and I believe that we have I, – I believe that I have the best partners in the world. And I always keep saying that we have the best fans in the world, and it's an entertaining business, and we're doing our best to go out there and entertain fans and for all the fans out there, whether you are an Iowa Hawkeye fan or not. So I couldn't – you know, I couldn't imagine being in a better place. So you touched on having some of the best training partners in the world, you know. Thomas Gilman last year, a world silver medalist, and then you were Dan Dennis's training partner in Rio in 2016. What was it like? You know, what did that trip to Rio and getting exposure to the Olympic Games on the inside, as well as training with a world silver medalist every day? What does that kind of stuff do for you? I think it just shows you what type of level those guys are on, and how hard they train. You know, just just experiencing it with them, what they do, what they go through how they had to train to get to the point to where that kind of shows you where you need to go, like where you need to be, how you need to train to get to where, you know, in their position, you know. Obviously, Gilman didn't want to be silver, but he made the world finals, and that's a goal everyone wants to do, right? You're right there. 
So I, I know how they train. I know I know what it takes essentially to get to that level. And training with them and feeling them and seeing uh, the, the, everyone that you wrestle brings a different experience. Dennis and Gilman are very different wrestlers, even though they both come out of this program. Something that uh, the coaching staff always likes to uh, emphasize is that there is you know, no Iowa style. It's your style. It is Iowa style. So I, that's what I love about it. You know, they don't change your style. They just, you know, whatever you're good at, they you know, help improve what you're good at. And obviously they're going to put their own little take into it. And that, that's, that's just how it is. And I love it. Spencer, you've had an incredible true freshman campaign to this point. Um, you're definitely not surprising anybody across the country, especially us back here in Pennsylvania. Um, how would you assess so far your success of the season to this point? And also, what what are the key focuses, I guess, of your training and, and looking forward as we approach the Big Tens here and NCAAs? What's really the main focal point of your training to get where you want to be here in about two weeks in March? Just focus on wrestling uh, seven minutes hard, and if it takes longer than seven minutes, then however long your match takes, wrestle every position as hard as you can. That's what I'm focusing on. So, you know, to go back to December, you know, your first real, real big event as an Iowa Hawkeye, you know, even though you were still in red shirt, was Midlands. And, you know, you, you drop a tough one to Bresser there and everything. That match, you know, was there anything that you really took away from Midlands that maybe you didn't know going in? And, you know, did that Bresser match change the way that you looked at things? Or, you know, did that did you learn anything from that Bresser match, again, that you didn't know going in? Uh, I mean, I I knew exactly why I lost and everything about it. I mean, there was, there was no surprise. One, you can't leave it in the ref's hands. And two, you got to score points. I did both of those things. I didn't score points, and I left it in the ref's hands. And every time you do that, it's either going to be a 50-50, and if you don't score points, you're not going to win matches. So there really is no surprise there. It's pretty simple, in my opinion. So then, you know, not long later after that, obviously, you go into the duel with, against Ohio State with Tomasello. Just talk about, you know, you personally going into that match. You know, obviously, you try to approach everyone as the same, but... You know, that's a big match. That's your first chance to compete against a guy that's won a national title, you know, in an Iowa singlet and everything. Um, you know, what did that match mean to you? Was that any different than any normal match? I guess that's my question. You know, did you treat that any differently? Was, was Nathan just... I mean, me and, me, and, me and Nathan have known each other for a while. So, I mean, it was just kind of... It was different since we... I don't think either of us ever expected to wrestle in a college setting since... When we would train together, I was in eighth grade. He was senior in high school. So it, I think that would be the biggest difference because, I mean, I trained in Ohio when I was younger, and he's obviously from Ohio. And, it, I mean, we even had – we trained together at OTC one time when, when I was in eighth grade in the summer of eighth grade. And you, you never really think that you're going to wrestle that guy, you know. Like, I never thought that I would wrestle Thomas L in college. Maybe one day, like Olympic ladder thing, yeah, you, you can you can expect that because it's senior level. It doesn't matter how as long as you're older than 18, you can compete in it. And if you're, you know, I figured we'd be the same weight because I have I wasn't really going to grow too much more, and I didn't. And I think that's the only difference, really. I mean, I, I treat it like it was you know the biggest match in the world because it was the next match, and that's how you got to treat every match. Spencer, you guys are starting kind of a pipeline. It seems like from. Uh... Pennsylvania to Iowa, and especially Western Pennsylvania, you, Michael Kemmerer, Caleb Young, Max Murin now. Uh, wh what's your message to these young Pennsylvania studs coming out of high school um, to, you know, take a leap of faith and, and travel halfway across the country to come wrestle for Iowa? Do you have a message for those type guys? Well, it's just wrestle hard and do your best. Listen to Jody and listen to uh, all your, your high school coaches because they, they have the best interest in you. Well, for you, and you know, for recruiting you, um, always take advantage of it. Take take a visit, and you know, take take. I mean, I I would take all your visits. I didn't take all my visits. I only I, I committed before. Uh, my official visits were allowed, and I don't know. Hindsight twenty twenty, maybe maybe I should have waited. Maybe you know. So I would say take all, all your visits would be my 
only advice for that kind of thing. So, you know, I know I, you know, knowing you and knowing the career you've had and the expectations you've always publicly had, um, this probably seems like an obvious question, but you know, being part of the Iowa program and the Olympic success that those Iowa guys have had, you know, that your coaches have had, was that part of your decision that played into you wanting to be a Hawkeye is to wrestle for, you know, Tom Brands, who's an Olympic gold medalist, and to be surrounded by that type of people? Well, I just think it, I don't know, it's a good, I don't know, recruiting them maybe, that the two coaches were both lightweight to my weight, and they're both Olympic-level wrestlers. And, I mean, I, I had a super, super close relationship with Terry. And, uh, I don't know, I just couldn't imagine not, not wrestling for Terry, uh, at any, any program, really. He, he was, uh, he's a man. And obviously, uh, Tom's a man too. I got to know him a lot better in Rio, uh, since he was Dennis's coach. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're both lightweight coaches and, I mean, I always say I'm selfish, and I believe this is the place that I can be the best to develop to be the best I can be. And I believe that those two were uh, the main reason uh, I came here. Yeah. Spencer, we know you got to run to a workout. We appreciate you taking the time. One more question for me: um, You've obviously wrestled on some pretty huge stages in your life. Um, being a true freshman, though, this is your first time. Looking forward to the postseason in college. So you got Big Tens coming up, and then NCAA's um, competing in maybe the most stacked weight class, or at least one of the most exciting ones from a from a viewer standpoint. Simple question: How excited are you for this postseason? It's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, it's gonna be a lot of fun wrestling great opponents who all have the same goal as you. Especially, you know, I've always watched NCAA's and Big Tens on TV, and I'm gonna be a part of it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, hey, buddy, awesome stuff. Um, again, thank you for taking the time. You know, we know things are hectic this time of year, so we really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, you got anything else for us? Nope. Go Hawks. All right, thanks, buddy. Good luck. Yep, thank you. See you. Good luck, Spencer. Thanks. No problem. Okay, and once again, thanks a lot to Spencer Lee for joining us, um, taking time out of his busy training schedule right now, coming up on the – the postseason here. We really appreciate him taking the time and, and talking with us. And uh, obviously one of the best all time Pennsylvania wrestlers um, from a high school standpoint. And presumably through his college career, as he's already making a huge splash out there in Iowa. So thanks again to Spencer Mason, anything else before we wrap it up here? No, not much. Thanks for following along with us all season. Again, going to be an awesome weekend of wrestling. I'm sure there will be a lot of topics to discuss next week. So if you've got any questions, any reactions from the conference tournaments, hit us up with them. We'd love to discuss them. Can't wait to do it. All right. And like Mason said, that's going to wrap it up for us at the PA Power College Podcast. Thanks again for dialing in. As always, I'm Tristan Warner. Find me on Twitter at WarnTriz, and you can find Mason at Beck underscore Diggity. Visit PAPowerWrestling.com for all your wrestling needs, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at PA Power Wrestle and send us a friend request on Facebook. Until next time, stay classy, wrestling fans.